Hi, everyone. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio, where our mantra is to educate, enlighten, and entertain. My disclaimer is the views of the guests that you will hear in the interview may not represent those of the station or the host. Always seek your primary care physician's advice for any medical concerns. I am very excited to talk with my guest today. What an inspirational story my guest has. My guest is Jesse Fedor. He is author and writer of the book, Angels from Heaven. He is a public speaker as well as a guest speaker at the world's famous Crystal Cathedral. He is, talks all over. He is a motivational speaker on overcoming obstacles and how he overcame his disability. Jesse has a rags to riches story, which I can't wait to hear. I want to welcome you, Jesse Fedor, to Johnny with Betsy. Well, well, thank you very, very much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Oh, you are welcome. It's uh, my privilege and honor to have you on. I love the name of your, your title of your book, Angels from Heaven. What inspired you to write your book? I'll start with that because that's what I ask all my authors. Well, well what really inspired me was uh, I really wanted to help others that are in uh, a similar or worse situation in their lives where uh, that's what I wanted to do is explain how I overcame quite a bit in my life and to just be thankful for what has happened over my life my lifetime and to in- influence and, and, and really to motivate people to never give up on life and never give up on their dreams meaning if you can yeah. dream it you can do it yes oh I love that I also forgot to tell um, say in my um, intro that Jesse worked on in Hollywood on Hollywood sets such as the Golden Girls and you overcame your disability you had epilepsy um, That's and correct. in the 50s and 60s you know that was kind of like I'm gonna say taboo um, I'm sure you had a lot of stigma associated with having epilepsy and growing up at that time that had to be difficult for you well it was extremely difficult uh and i i actually get emotional talking about it sometimes oh that's okay that's okay because i i, I get emotional I myself sometimes yep mm-hmm. but when i i came down with epilepsy at the age of 10 and then when that uh, basically came upon me it was I, I got it by being hit in the head with a baseball when I was up at bat playing little league baseball and um, from age 10 all the way up until age like 23 24 uh, most of my life was just living in hospitals institutions going through grand mal seizures on a daily basis and not expected to live at all because once you have so many grand mal seizures it just destroys the brain cells and a life cannot continue with grand mal seizures on a consistent basis like I had them and then I spent two years in a boys home I spent uh, several months in a Camarillo mental hospital which was the wrong place for me at the time but most of my life was just uh, 
hospitals, institutions, and basically walking the streets doing nothing. Jesse, were you placed in these, um, like in a, a boys' home, a mental hospital, because you had epilepsy? Or did the doctors recommend that for you, um, for your parents? Well, what had happened when in? I was put into the, the mental hospital, that was at age, age 10, I should say, and it was the reason that I was put into a mental hospital is not because I was mentally insane or anything of the sort. It was because my grandma's seizures were getting very, very severe. And when you're having a grandma's seizure, that means that you could end up, you know, hitting your, hitting your head, uh, knocking yourself out and killing yourself. So the reason that they put me into a mental hospital is because the mental hospitals have floor to ceiling padded cells. <laughs> so they put me in a padded cell more or less to keep me from killing myself when I'm at, when I was having a grand mal seizure. And it was really a mistake as as uh, I know today because that's not where I should have been. But the reason that I was there is that you know you can't you can't really stop a seizure once it happens and right you can't be with somebody 24 hours a day so that's why I was put it there. And then when um, I was spent two years in a boys' home, the reason I was put there is because epilepsy also has different effects, I should say, on an individual. And that's where I became emotionally disturbed. And when I became emotionally disturbed, I had to be put into a separate boys' home to really, I guess, say, cure the emotional disturbance. And I spent two years in a boys' home called Lakeside Lodge in Elsinore, California. Wow, Jesse, my heart, I, I have to say this. I mean, I'm an emotional person, too, so it's okay if you get emotional. I've cried in, during many interviews, let me tell you. Um, it's, it, it really breaks my heart because I want to put it in perspective for the audience, especially of young people. There were not the medications back then that there are now to, oh, uh, you know, prevent a grand mal seizures, you know, back in the old, and I'm talking the old days, like probably like I remember my dad even telling me and even reading this, people who had epilepsy were considered to be demon possessed and were um, chained down in the basement or up in the attic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, of course this is, um, old, old school thinking. I even remember in high school, there was this, um, in in high school, and I was in a cooking class, and I was wondering why they wouldn't let this guy go near the stove. He was the only boy in cooking class that wasn't allowed to, like, do the grill. And he wouldn't tell me why. And one day I saw him take a pill. And then Mm. I put it, and I said, oh, are you taking drugs, Mark? And then it was like years later, it had occurred to me, I bet he had epilepsy and was taking his medication. Yeah, that sounds like a very good uh, story of basically what what was happening at that time because similar things happened to myself. I mean, I've been seen taking my medication at that that time, and they called the police on me because they said that I was taking drugs. (laughs) Yes, and yeah. yeah. I was taking that at restaurants because of... I actually had wow. a seizure in a restaurant, and they asked me 
I was escorted out by two Marines. And it's only because I had a seizure. And I came oh back. A, I came back the following week, and then they said we don't allow epileptics in here. Get out of here. See. Oh my goodness, that's awful. I've. I, I had to tell this story, Jesse, because a babysitter. I was young. I forgot how old I was. She had a seizure. She was babysitting us. I never saw anyone have a seizure. I was like, I don't know. Maybe I was um, seven or eight years old. And she, it, she was on the concrete. She had, I guess, had fallen down. Her face was bloody. And I think my sister ran and got her parents. And she was in the hospital. And I thought my parents were going to be in trouble. But I heard that she had a seizure. That was the first time I saw a seizure. And that was scary. But I did work in a state institution for the severely disabled, and they did have grand mal seizures. And if you're not used to seeing that, it can be quite yeah. um, frightening um, oh, for absolutely. a lady, you know, uh, for someone who's not used to it. And, you know, they had the old um, school thinking, you know, they swallow their tongue and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we would give um, – what did we give Valium or phenobarbital, whatever the doctor um, had ordered, they would have to get an injection. And if they, that that didn't work, we called a squad. Uh, because yeah. as you know, you know, you can't have a grand mole for 10 minutes. You're going to have, uh, you could die or stop breathing, oh, have some serious issues. Yeah. That's some serious mm-hmm. issues. Um, I, I just, it, it just is so, emotional uh for me to think of what you went through and where you are today that how did you get from where you were going to um you know these mental hospitals because you had epilepsy to working in hollywood well that was a a long journey (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah what happened is it uh it, uh, after my hospitalizations, et cetera, you know, and then when I was 23 years of age, um, I had nothing happening with my life. I was uh, just basically walking the streets, uh, doing nothing with my life, not attending school. Um, I graduated from, from high school at an early age of 19, but continuation school because my comprehension course really goes down when you have brain damage. <laughs> so I was ditching classes a lot because I was afraid of having a seizure in front of any students. and They're, they're just going to uh, blackball me from the, the room or whatever. So, But from my when I turned 23, that's when my life took a 380-degree um, turnaround because my mother one day – my mother, uh, she was attending what's called Garden Grove Community Church, uh, later on known as the Crystal Cathedral in Garden Grove, California. And she decided to uh, pick me up one Sunday because I can't drive. I'm not able to drive with epilepsy. She would pick me up from living with my dad because we, did, we didn't live together. They were... Um, divorced at the time. So she came by, picked me up, 
and took me to church. She started taking me to church, and then what happened is my life started dramatically changing over time, and I kept attending because I, I had an antisocial personality. I was not um, basically uh, uh, you know, facing reality, I should say, because I had never been around people. I had no one to talk to, no one to be with. I was so, so lonely. And through the treacherous times of my grandma's seizures, I had suicide attempts. I almost died three times, and I just couldn't take it no more. So when I started uh, going to church with my mother, that's when my life started changing, and that's when everything started changing for the worst. I mean, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm saying everything started changing for the better. <laughs> said that wrong mm. and okay. um, and then what happened there is uh, I too, too many miracles at that time I can't I have time to tell you all of them so uh, just to summarize what I can tell you is that um, I had no college education uh, it took but what happened is it took me eight years to get a four-year degree which I wouldn't give up uh, because I had third grade comprehension when I started attending college, but I never gave up. And then uh, the last seizure that I had was 44 years ago, and the last seizure I had was at the Crystal Cathedral in Garden Grove, California. I've never wow. had one since. And I've been off the medication for 33 years. And wow. I I am cured from epilepsy mostly mostly because of my faith in God. That's amazing. That is um I'm about ready to burst into I'm getting for clumped here myself, Jesse. Um it's that is such a you know, such a story of determination and you have a grit, Jesse, and I'm so sorry that you went through that. You know, um, to feel that lonely, I bet you felt ostracized, um, you know, and to, and, you know, to try suicide three times, God wasn't going to let you go. God had a plan for you. Yes, he and, did. And, <laughs> um, you know, God is using you to, he used your story of what you went through to help other people. And this is why I love to do my show, Jesse, and this is why I love to have people on who came out the other side, because I want people to know they're not alone. They can get through their struggles because other people have. When they hear stories like yours, Jesse, it gives people hope. I, I really yes. believe that. Um, it, it really gives people the hope that, you know what? It took you eight years to get a college degree, but you didn't give up. And That's didn't right. you go to England? You went to England, well, didn't yeah. you? Or, oh, yes. What uh, happened is uh, I had to walk to school, like uh, five miles to school, five miles back, day and night, because I couldn't drive. <laughs> I was not able to drive because you can't get a license with epilepsy right. unless you've been free of seizures for two years. But eventually, I did get a car. I got a license. I, I finished uh, eight years of college, and 
during that period of time when I was going to college, I was I just saw a flyer one time at Cal State Fullerton where I graduated from, and it said it said uh, why not go to or join the communications department and come to school in London, England. <laughs> So what I did is I didn't have any money because I was only living on disability of $267 a month. And that's all I was getting. But I managed to do that. I borrowed $2,500 from a student loan. And I went to England not knowing at all what I was doing because I'd really never traveled before. And that's quite a story in my book on explaining how I got to England with $467 <laughs> to my name and how I survived going to a semester in school. I worked with the British Broadcasting Corporation and the IPA in London, England. And I did that, again, starting with $467. Uh, it's amazing because uh, on the way I did it, but um, after attending a school in London, England, it was such a, I came back to the United States with 25 cents to my name. <laughs> but I would never give up. And just the, the, the accomplishments that I've gone through are, are so amazing that it's from where I was with epilepsy, walking the street, homeless, technically doing two, living off of $267 a month, and waiting to die because I was having multiple grand mal seizures from what I've now accomplished in my life is a really total miracle. And that's why I want to influence and, and tell others that they can do the same if they're in a similar or worse situation than I was in. Yes, and your story is very inspiring and um uh, motivating, you know, I, I see people who have gone through like an experience of caregiving and they don't know what to do with themselves. And a lot of people feel sorry for themselves, Jesse, you know that. And mm-hmm. even though you, you had a, every right, you had every right to feel sorry for yourself at the time that, and things that you were going through, but you uh, persevered, you had, um, and, you know, eventually had faith in, in God, and um, you just hung in there. You, I mean, you walked five miles to college? Oh, yes. I that walked a lot is, farther than that. But, wow. Yeah. Think of that, folks. Think of that. Jesse walked five miles one way to go to college. That's how determined he was to get an education. That speaks volumes of your character, Jesse. You really did have the strength in you and, and such motivation that um, that's just, you know, that, that just is mind-boggling to me because that really shows what strength and motivation you had to do that. You know, kids today, they don't even want to walk a block <laughs> uh, to go to school. Um, but that is so amazing. And how did you get onto uh, like working on the Hollywood sets? Are you uh, in the light lighting department? What what did you do? Well, how it all, how it all started is that uh, when I was going through to college, I should say, I wanted to pick a 
a major where I wouldn't have to use a lot of my brain power. In other words, a lawyer or something like that, that, that takes a lot of reading and brain power. <laughs> you know, I just didn't want to do something. I wanted to do something where I could use my hands because mm-hmm. I'm much better at not reading and studying because that's why it took me eight years to get a four-year degree because I had to keep rereading and rereading and reading it, everything before I could actually take a test because if I took a test after reading it once, I'm going to fail. So what I did is I decided to go into communications, broadcasting, and then I know I could use my hands a lot. So what had happened is um, one day at the Crystal Cathedral, um, I was in the singles group at the time, and then they, they were losing their sound man because he was moving out of state, and they had no one else to do it. They were looking for volunteers, but what happened is I forgot my coat when I left that day, and I came back to get my coat, and I was asked to join the meeting, and then they mentioned that they needed a sound person. I had no idea who to get, and then somebody mentioned uh, <laughs> It mentioned, well, what about what about Jesse? <laughs> and I said, I don't know anything about sand. Uh, and they said that they would teach me, of course. And that's how I made my decision to go into broadcasting and audio. <laughs> so what happened is I, I I took that major, finished my degree, got my college degree, my bachelor's degree in communications in radio, television, and broadcasting, and then i got to figure out how am I going to get into Hollywood now? Well, my dad always taught me, he said, you've got to do things out of the ordinary that will stand out and not put you in the same category as everyone else, meaning at that time I didn't want to go apply for a job, fill out an application, and then wait for them to call me. <laughs> so I started... Uh, getting more familiar with Hollywood by driving up there and, and going places in, in Hollywood. And then I joined uh, an organization called NABIT, uh, National Association on Broadcasting Employees and Technicians. And when I did that, um, I was called into a different studios. I first started out with Whit Thomas Productions, working on It's a Living, One Big Family, Saved by the Bell. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Then, yeah, mm-hmm. and then, I remember that one. Uh, what happened is there is that I really wanted to get into the motion picture industry, which is separate from television, but I wanted to get in, and I started getting names of people. And then when I got the names, I just started calling and calling and calling, not consistently, so I'd be a nuisance, but um, what happened, I wanted to get to, uh, to work in the major studios such as 20th Century Fox and or Disney. And with my determination and persistence, uh, eventually what happened is I got into 20th Century Fox, sure enough, and I did get a job there working at 20th Century Fox. But then my goal was to really get into Disney, Walt Disney Studios, so I, I said, i got to figure out how to way to do this. And then I did find a contact to contact in uh, Disney Studios. So what I decided to do is something totally out of the, out of the ordinary and different. I, want, I sent the individual a letter with Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse uh, 
painted, not painted, but it was drawn by my father because he was an artist. And it was Mickey Mouse filming Minnie Mouse. <laughs> and then, of course, I, I had a typed letter before that. Right, Mickey and Minnie are down at the bottom of the letter telling me of how I'm interested in working for the studio. And then they were saying to each other, Mickey, uh, or no, she said, Minnie, it sure was hard getting into Disney Studios. <laughs> uh, and we always kept getting a no. And then, <laughs> then Minnie, Minnie would say, she said, yeah, Mickey, but for every no that we got, we came that much closer to a yes. Wow. And, and then we finally got in. Wow. Uh, and that, that yeah. was my first letter. And then my second letter was Donald Duck and Daisy Duck. And then my third letter was Goofy. <laughs> and um, uh, I can't remember the other one, but I just kept on sending letters like that. And then finally Disney called me. And they asked me to come in for an interview. I came in for an interview the three letters were laying right there on the desk when I came in. And they said, you know, we've never had nobody do this before, ever. And your, your creativity was what we wanted to see. And because of that, we'd like to interview for, the, for you this job. And that's how I got wow. into Disney. That is yep. that's so uh, incredible, Jesse. I, that shows, again, determination, perseverance, grit. And uh, yep. I'm sure, you know, you had the faith. This is why I had to tell this to the audience. You know, don't, you're going to hear no. You're going to hear no. Many people have heard no. Jesse heard no many times. J.K. Rowland heard no. Uh, many actors, actresses have heard no. And look where they are today. Um, and, you know, you have to have that. Uh, I guess you do have to have some kind of determination and, and grit and really a, a strength to just say, you know what, I'm going to keep going for this. I believe in my dream. I'm I, this is what I want, and I'm going to keep trying. That is mm -hmm. true perseverance, um, and that is just uh, I admire that in people. To say, oh no, I'm I'm not going to give up. This is what I really want. Um, yep. That is just an incredible story. And um, how how long did you work on the Golden Girls set? Well, Golden Girls. What happened is there is that Golden Girls was filmed at Sunset Gower Studios, which was really technically around the corner from Whit Thomas Productions, maybe about oh, half a mile. And <clears throat> while I was at with Thomas Productions, then what happened is I decided to go over, I, I was sent over, I should say, to Sunset Gower Studios by Whit Thomas to pick some uh, sets up, I should say. And then when I got back over to Sunset Gower, then what happened is I started talking with people over there. <laughs> because, again, they weren't filming at the time that I was there, but I started talking, and I started getting to know the people there. And I wanted to expand my contact list, I should say. And sure enough, uh, because I was a part of NABIT, they did uh, call me up and ask me if I could go over to the Golden Girl set. And I said, be glad. 
So after the Whit Thomas Productions was completed over there for the season, I should say, then I went over to Sunset Gower Studios and I worked on the Golden Girls. And one of my biggest, uh, I guess, memories of working at the Golden Girls was when, when the Golden Girls was being filmed, it's in front of a live audience. So what had happened is during a filming, in walks this lady, <laughs> red hair, white pants, red blouse, and sandals. She walks in, sits in the bleachers, and of course everybody knew who she was, and as soon as she walked in, I walked up to the bleachers and sat right next to her just to talk with her. Back then we didn't have cell phones, so I couldn't take a picture, <laughs> and it was Lucille Ball. Wow. So I got to see Lucille Ball, and... I actually shook her hand, so it was nice to see Lucy because I grew up watching her. Yeah. But that, yeah, and then it paid, I should say, to be on the Golden Girls set because, you know, it was really entertaining and they were such nice, nice people. Yeah, I I still um, watch uh, repeats um, of the Golden Girls. I mean, that's such classic comedy that will never be outdated and um they would just all seemed um do they really all get along on the set oh absolutely yeah they were such sweethearts <laughs> you know but it was a wonderful time you know like uh there's some events i guess that took place not events i should say but things that took place like when we were Breaking for lunch, we are the cat. The crew would always end up uh, sitting out, you know, on the outsides, while the stars, I should say, are inside in their dressing rooms. And sometimes Betty White would come out, and she just wanted to say, she'd say, like, I uh, just wanted to know if you guys got enough food and you're all taken care of. If not, you just let Betty know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> such a sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. As all of them she- were, though. Yeah, uh, I saw her um, film back in, well, January, um, the focus, what was it called? They had the documentary for her birthday, and she had just passed away. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was really good, and she seemed like such a a lovely person. I mean, they all seemed very uh, nice, but I think, like, Betty White, to me, stands out because she seemed like maybe she was more of uh, the friendlier of the four of them, but they very talented women. Um, and that, that had to be such a, a great experience for you to work with them. Oh, it was, you know, and then uh, during my, my period of time, that's why I decided to write the book that I wrote angels from heaven, because the reason I call it angels from heaven is because of all the people that I met along the way on this journey of going through epilepsy, being cured, going through suicides, uh, going through the terrible times that I went through and just seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. It was the angels from heaven that came across my path when I was going on this journey. And they were total, total strangers out of the blue. If you, I can't go into detail because it'd be too long. But 
just to give you one example, um, when I first started college, I remember it very well. I, I signed up for three classes at the end of the three classes on that semester. I had one withdrawal, one incomplete, and I completed one unit. <laughs> now, most people would probably give up after that, but no, I continued on for the remaining eight years with two degrees, Associate of Arts and a Bachelor's, but there was a student in class. He was a Chinese student, and he could see that I was not really <laughs> a student that's going to be going anywhere with because I did nothing. He says to me, after class, he said, I notice you don't take any notes or I, and you don't ask any questions. He says, why is that? And, and then he asked me if I wanted to go over to the snack bar with him, and he bought me a hot dog because you know, I didn't have very much money. But we sat and talked for a while, and I opened up, and I told him I have a very severe case of epilepsy, and I just live with fear, knowing that I might have a seizure at any time in the class. So it's hard for me. So just out of the blue, he, he took me over to the counselor of the school. He, he asked me to go and get this counselor taken care of. The counselor then spoke with me, and they took me over to the psychiatrist of the school. I went through uh, six sessions with the psychologist. I think it was, I think it was a psychologist. And they ended up putting me into a different category and said that I was trying to make it through college with a third grade comprehension and that I was really not faced with reality. <laughs> but I would have never done that on my own, but a total stranger comes out of nowhere. And then that, that Chinese student, he gave me a book saying how to go, how to go through college the right way. <laughs> wow. So he, he was my first angel from heaven. I definitely believe that, uh, Jesse. Um, we do have our earth angels. I have a couple myself, so I, I understand. Did you go for any, because uh, I know back then uh, mental health was not talked about, going for counseling and therapy was not talked about back then, uh, but did you go for any counseling Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, I'm a big mental health advocate, Jesse, and um, because no one knows what life has in store for them. And anyone at any time may need to see a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist. And there's, I want people to know there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I need help handling my life. And it's not a sign of weakness. And um, especially with men and, and bo- boys and men, we need to start raising them where they can feel comfortable to express emotions. I'm very big on that. feel very no, strongly about that. Yeah. Yep. Um, I like to just explain to people how, how I, I never gave up and this, the accomplishments that I've made. You know, there are so, so many of them. I mean, I was never a, a world traveler, uh, but uh, I decided that I wanted to see the world, and I just wouldn't give up. And as of today, <laughs> uh, I've seen all of the 14 wonders of the world. <laughs> and wow. I've been to every single continent, and I did a lot of that just living on 
on disability income sometimes. So wow. I try to really, uh, one of my mentors that I always keep in mind is Helen Keller. Mm-hmm. Helen Keller was blind, deaf, and dumb. But she ended up getting a master's degree <laughs> through college. So yes. If she can do it, I can do it. Yes. Um, it, it, it's incredible. I just uh, interviewed someone who um, has cerebral palsy, and she has a, a podcast. She mm-hmm. is uh, phenomenal. And I'll be interviewing someone next year who also has cerebral palsy, who snowboards, wrote books, has a business. And, you know, it's, it's just people who have uh, disabilities, they have a right, every right to be out in public and to do their thing. And without people judging them. There's such stigma, Jesse, as you know, surrounding so many uh, disabilities that it, it has to stop. So I use my, my voice, my show as a megaphone for the world. You know, I always say, think about how you would want to be treated. How would you want to be treated if you're in a wheelchair? Would you want to be talked over? Would you want to be ignored just because you're in a wheelchair? Of course not. Well, neither does that person. And I just really want to bring awareness to how people feel when they are stigmatized. And um, you have quite a story, Jesse. I mean, I'll tell you what, I I salute you because you really have quite an inspiring story of not giving up. And you became a millionaire from what I read. Well, that's, that's correct, but I, I, I really want to, I really enjoy sharing my my money and whatever else that I have with people that are sick. That's why I love to give to charities, and I go to church every Sunday, of course, because I owe my life, I should say, to starting church and going to the church that my mother took me to. If that would have never happened, I probably would have been gone a long time ago. Now, so you were blessed. The Lord that did it. Oh, absolutely. And I was blessed by all of the angels that he sent to me. The 44-year journey that I had to, to, from where I started attending the, the Crystal Cathedral to where I am now, it's just a total miracle. And I want people to read and understand how I did it so they can, if they're in a similar circumstances, they can overcome it with goodwill perseverance and faith yep yes yes you you had your hard times and you know it made you i'm sure a very compassionate person you have empathy and you have uh, understanding and you can help and i know you've helped many people with your story and that's why i think I heard one time, and I forgot who the guy was, uh, he said, instead of asking, why me? Why is this happening to me? Ask yourself, why not? You're not seeing the bigger picture. God sees the bigger picture ahead of of us. 
So sometimes we go through some tough stuff to become better people to help others, that other people can be helped by our stories. That's why I love when people share stories. I love human interest stories, um, especially like, like yours, Jesse. Um, I get inspired by it. I, I just thrill, it does. I get thrilled by it hearing of a, a person who is, you, you've been blessed after you had such tragedy in your life. And you could have um, really, you know, you could have successfully committed suicide, but God didn't, uh, God intervened. It wasn't yes, your time. Did. It wasn't your time. He, he had plans for you. And I, I do believe that. Um, and I, I just think that you are just a walking testimony of uh, having faith in God. And oh, just being, um, you know, uh, an inspiration uh, and a motive. I could see where you're a motivational speaker. Um, it, it was just so great talking to you. What advice would you give a young person today who has epilepsy? Well, even though that they, they state that there is no cure for epilepsy, which is, is true, there is no cure. Well, it can be it, it it can be where you may not think that there is a cure, but again, if you have faith in God and prayers, that I'm sure that He's going to answer those prayers someday. And with all of the medical technology that's happening today, epilepsy is controlled a lot more than today than it was in my time. Yes, and they have much better better. Um, remedies, I should say, for controlling epilepsy and hopefully eliminating it too. Because someday there will be a cure, but in my day, I guess there was my cure, which was the Lord thy God. Um, I just kept my faith, and that's how I was cured, I believe, because again, the tragedy that I went through with grand mal seizures, I mean, that's really difficult to even stay alive at that point, yes. but uh, there was one quote that stood with me all the time, all these years, that came from our pastor, Dr. Robert Schuler, and he said that he would say this a lot in his sometimes in his sermons: "Tough times never last, but tough people do." So, I like tough, that. You can tough. be tough, and you can survive. Mm-hmm. Tough times never last, but tough people do. I like that. Yeah, that's it's true. Like yeah, Vince Lombard also said, "A quitter never wins, and a winner never quits." Okay, so quitter I stuck never. with those over over my time, and I just said I'm not giving up. And sure enough, I didn't. Yes, I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you came on my show to share your story. I'm glad you wrote your book. I think that it's a phenomenal story that that you have, uh, Jesse, and I I really wish you much success um, with people buying your book. Where can people buy your book, Jesse? Well, my website for that is angelsfromheaven.site, S-I-T-E, and that's where the book is published through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, 
Goodreads and starting I guess in January uh, it will be noted internationally because I, I've been in, invited to be on the 700 Club in West Virginia. Wow. Yeah, 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 700 Club. Yeah, I used to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And that, that's another miracle of what happened and how I even got on that show. <laughs> but yeah. It's, it's, uh, I always try to emphasize that never, never quit on what it is that you're doing. And, again, if you have a dream, you can do it. I, mean, it's, I think Walt Disney said, if you can dream it, you can do it. Yeah. So just have, your, have faith in God and never give up on what his plan is for you. That's right. Well, you know what? Walt Disney was told he wasn't creative. Yeah. Walt Disney was turned down. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> right? I told him he wasn't exactly. creative. And look, look, what he, look what he created. I mean, it's just um, something like Clint Eastwood. I think he was turned down, too. Uh, oh, said, absolutely. You know, yeah. You know, actor. I mean, um, you hear of um, of um, musicians that were turned down over and over again, and they have become um, very successful. And I'm sure the people who turned them down are probably kicking themselves um, now because um, they they missed out. And I just think that. You know, you do have to have determination and, and grit and, and not uh, not give up. And I I really thank you for coming on and sharing your story. So if people want to get in touch with you, Jesse, they go on your website? Yes, they can go on the website, uh, angelsfromheaven.site, S-I-T-E. And uh, the book that is there, it's Angels from Heaven, My Miraculous Cure from Epilepsy. Because I believe there's two books there, but mine is my Angels from Heaven, my miraculous cure from epilepsy. Um, uh, that's basically sold, I should say, on many websites, but most of the time it's from Amazon. Okay, and um, they can um, get it like a, a international Amazon if somebody's in another part of the country. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Great, yeah, you great. Can go on, you can go on the website, too, uh, angelsfromheaven.site. Uh, you can get that, and it takes you right to uh, – it's got my, biogra- my biography. You can read a few of the pages. It's got Kindle. It's got the uh, paperback book. Um, I'm, I just started an audio book, so you, it can be – it's an, also an audio book. And now I'm on – I'm on, uh, I guess, discussions with another media company, and they're wanting to make a movie, a Christian movie. Wow. Oh, that would be wonderful. And I could say I interviewed you <laughs> when yes. they make it into a movie. Oh, that, that, is, um, that would be wonderful. I'll tell you what. If you get a movie made about your life, Jesse, I want you to come back on my show because I want to – help promote it well i can tell you right now that i will if i get turned down by a hundred people a hundred production companies then i'm going to go to 101 and i won't stop until it's done there you go that's right 
um, mm-hmm. uh, that your story would uh, definitely be a great uh, movie. You know, I could see Kirk Cameron playing you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, for sure. I. It was such an honor, Jesse, to talk to you. Folks, go on Amazon. Go on Jesse Fedora's website. Uh, Jesse's last name is F-I-E-D-O-R, if I'm reading my handwriting correctly. <laughs> and the name of the book is Angels from Heaven. So you said you have two books. Is one Angels from Heaven, and then another one is no, no, Angels the, from Heaven. I don't have two books. There's another book there. It's called Angels from Heaven. and But this one is um, Angels from Heaven, My Miraculous Cure from Epilepsy. Okay. My Miraculous Cure from Epilepsy. Yeah, okay. you, you would go right to it with uh, Angels from oh, Heaven. Okay. Site, S-I-T-E. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much, Jesse Fedor, for coming on, sharing your story. Uh, I wish you were in front of me because I would give you a hug. So I'm sending you a virtual hug. Um, Oh, thank you so much. I'll send it right back. Thank (laughs) you. You are an inspiration. Um, Folks, you know what? Sometimes, Jesse, I get to a point where, like, I I just want to tell people, stop feeling sorry for yourself. And look at these other people who are doing something. You know, like, people don't understand and, but I understand. I'm six, I will be 65. So I know back when you were growing up, epilepsy was not, it wasn't accepted, folks. It was stigmatized. And yes. I could see why, you know, you were in these places and you were ostracized because that's what people did back then. It wasn't right. Of course it wasn't right. But they didn't know any better. And that's how it was. And now it's much more acceptable. Children with epilepsy go to school, um, mm-hmm. and they have nurses. They know how to handle seizures. And, you know, if you have never seen a grand mal seizure, it is scary. I used to see them all the time where, where I worked. It, it, it can be scary. Um, and I just um, want to put in perspective for, for young people because, you know, we're talking about a, another time. Now it's more accepted. And this is the way it should have always been, but it wasn't. And I always Absolutely. say, Jesse, therefore, by the grace of God, go I. Because, uh-huh. you know, like I said, no one knows what life has to um, has in store for them. I had a coworker say to me, because I couldn't pick up the cots because of uh, fibromyalgia, and my back, and she said, well, you shouldn't work here. And I said to her, I said, you know what? You don't know what life has in store for you. I worked as a nurse, but I can't work as a nurse anymore because I can't um, see too well, you know, with reading the, the medications, and I don't want to hurt anybody. So I went into uh, working in the preschool. Nobody knows um, that you might have to change careers because of something, you know, with your health. And, you know, you said you worked with your hands. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong. We need people to work with our hands. We need electricians, plumbers, bakers. Um, and that's, I believe you're still using your brain when you're using your, your hands. Uh, we need people in all professions um, doing all types of jobs. 
And I want to thank you. Excuse me. I want to thank you for sharing your story. And I believe God will continue to bless you as you serve him. And I want to thank you for sharing your story of, of faith and just determination and grit. And I really do admire you and, and having the courage to tell your story. And I, I think just showing your deep emotion, it's just, you're a beautiful person, Jesse. You are a no beautiful worries. man, a uh, beautiful thank you, soul. Thank you so much. You're welcome, and I can and tell that. And you're I, wonderful in what you're doing, too, and I really wish to thank, thank you, you for having me on your show. And I will be getting back with you, not if, but when the movie is made. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, please do. Thank you so much, Jesse, for coming on. Folks, you heard okay. Jesse Fedor. You're welcome. Uh, highly recommend the book. You want a book to give for the holidays of inspiration and faith, and I would go on Amazon or on Jesse's website and order this book. If you know someone who has epilepsy, might encourage them. Um, and even if uh, anyone, uh, this would be a, quite an uplifting uh, book. And the, one of the reasons for my show is for people to know they're not alone in this world. We all think we're alone because we're afraid to say how we feel because we're afraid of being judged and stigmatized. But we need to stop that. If you have a story that you want to share and you came through on the other side, like Jesse, the door, come on my show. Contact me through PassionWorldRadio.com. And uh, my email is Sloan, that's my married name, S-L-O-A-N, Betsy31 at gmail.com. If you have a story you want to share to inspire and motivate people, I want you on my show. And I want to thank Jeannie White, who's the station manager, Passion World Talk Radio, produces the show, writes the blog. Please read the blog because the information about Jesse Fedora will be in the blog. And I want to thank Lillian Caldwell, CEO of Passion World Talk Radio, who makes this all possible. I want to thank you, the listeners, for listening. Subscribing is free to subscribe to Chatting with Betsy. I am on iHeart. Spreaker, Spotify, Amazon Music, and um, that's off the top of my head. And I have phenomenal guests on. I have phenomenal guests on this year. Next year, I already have lined up through, I believe, um, May, a phenomenal guest that you don't want to miss. And when you share this show, you are helping people. You are helping me carrying out my mission and vision that I promised I would still do, in my husband's memory, now they get so clumped. Uh, um, and everyone who, who knows, who's been listening to me, knows that I promised Matt that I would share his story, but not just that, but continue on with my mission and vision, and that is to help people, to let them know, again, you're not alone. There are resources out there to help you, and that's what I want people to know. Uh, that my show has, you know, it's about resources. And if you are struggling, it is December, can't believe it. This is the time of year where there's uh, trouble with depression. People get depressed because of holidays. Folks, if you are struggling, I know the struggle is real. Please consult with your primary care physician for mental health services. If you are a senior citizen and you live in the state, Go to your senior center. 
I get free counseling from my senior center. Sometimes we don't know about resources in our own backyard. Go for counseling. It is okay to not be okay. And it's okay to say, I need help. It is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength to know that you realize that you need help. And we all need help at some time. And uh, that's what I want to say. I'm a big mental health advocate. I can't help it. I keep saying the same things over because I want people to know it's okay to, to reach out to others. We can't always do it alone. And you don't have to do it alone. And that's what I want you all to know, wherever you live in the world. And I want to wish everyone a happy holiday season. And if it can't be happy, then I hope it's peaceful. And as I always say at the end of my show, in a world where you can be anything, to please be kind, shine your light bright. Because if we all were kind and shined our light bright, this would be a much happier, brighter world. And we sure do need that now. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Pesher. Uh, your host of Chatting with Betsy on Petrol Talk Radio. So we chat again. Be safe. And I hope you are well. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.